attentive. Brethren, be watchful, stand firm in your faith. Be courageous, be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Now, brethren, you know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, and they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. To be subject to such men and to every fellow worker and laborer. I rejoice at the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus because they have made up for your absence, for they refreshed my spirit as well as yours. Give recognition to such men. The churches of Asia send greetings. Aquila and Prisca, together with the church in their house, send you hearty greetings in the Lord. All the brethren send greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Christ Jesus, Amen. Peace be with you, the reader. And with your spirit. a householder who planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower and let it out to tenants and went into another country. When the season of fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to get his fruit. And the tenants took his servants and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did the same to them. Afterwards he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. And they took him and cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. When therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those servants? They said to him, He will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyards to other tenants who will give him the fruits in their seasons. 
Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the Scriptures, the very stone which the builders rejected has become the head of the corner? This was the Lord's doing, and it was marvelous in our eyes. Glory to you, O Lord. Glory to you. Peace be to you who reads the good tidings and to all the people. the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I almost always preach on the Gospel reading, but today I couldn't get past the first line of the Epistle reading, so you're going to hear about the Epistle reading instead. And this particular Epistle is to the Corinthian community, Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. And if we know about Corinth at the time of the Apostle Paul, we know that it was one of the leading pagan cities in all of Greece, in all of the empire. And there was a church there, and the church was, in a way, immersed, or surrounded at least, by this pagan atmosphere. And so it put a lot of pressure on these newly converted Christians. And the Apostle Paul wrote two letters to this Corinthian community because they needed the pastoral oversight and care and love that he could provide. And so there was real spiritual warfare going on within and outside of this Corinthian church community. So much so that he begins this particular passage with these words. My brothers and sisters, be watchful. Stand firm. Be courageous. Be strong. Let everything that you do be done in love. Now, if I didn't put in that last phrase, let everything you do be done in love, but you heard, be vigilant and attentive. Stand firm in your faith. Be courageous and be strong. What would you think? Those are the words that I would tell every single soldier before I sent them on the front lines. Can you imagine a soldier on the front lines in combat not being attentive? You would hardly ever have to tell someone with bullets flying all around and bombs and shells to pay attention. But you might have to tell them to stand firm and be courageous and strong because surely they would be afraid. So my dear brothers and sisters, the Apostle Paul is using the exact same language that any general or commanding officer would use for warfare. In this case, spiritual warfare. There's a classic book in our 
2,000 year spiritual tradition of Christianity called Aoratos Polomos unseen or invisible warfare and it's all about being on the front lines but in this case oftentimes the enemy is unseen because it is spiritual it's not flesh and blood it's not people that we can see even though it sometimes seems like we're fighting against people but they are not our enemies it is the evil one and the principalities that are spiritual, angelic, noetic, who have rebelled against God and have rebelled against their nature. So what I wanted to spend the rest of our time talking about is the very first command that Paul gives. Be watchful. Another word for that is attentive. St. Peter, he says... Therefore, gird up your minds. Think about that. People used to gird themselves for work. They used to gird themselves for battle. But he says, gird up your minds. Be sober. Set your hope fully upon the grace that is coming to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Again, the the Apostle Peter says, and this is 2,000 years ago, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, remain sane and sober for your prayers. Without sanity and sobriety, it is not even possible to pray. And finally, not in all the scriptures, but finally another quote from St. Peter, probably his most famous one. Be sober. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. That doesn't sound friendly. He wants to devour each of you. He wants to devour me, especially. And we are called to be sober and to be watchful, to gird up our minds, to be vigilant. The dictionary defines sobriety as being able to be alert, to be keenly attentive, to be watchful, and it defines vigilance as being unsleepingly alert. Jesus himself said... Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. He didn't say the year. He didn't say the era. He brings it down to the minutia, the day or the hour. Every single moment, we are called to be watchful. Now, why? Father John Romanides, a blessed memory, one of the great 20th century theologians, and someone who was very, very much a student of the Holy Fathers, and considered by many elders to be a great theologian. When you're considered by the great elders of your time to be a great theologian, that is saying something. And Father John Romanides said that distractedness 
is one of the ultimate signs of the illness of the fall in each human being. Think about that. If a doctor were to come and examine you and he were to look for a telltale symptom of illness and he found distractedness, there you go. That would be the 20th century telltale symptom of the fall in mankind. And if you think about how the 20th century moved into the 21st century and you think about the fact that the ruler of this world is the evil one, and you think about how he has used such good things in and of themselves like technology, and I don't just mean smartphones or laptops or iPads or iPods, but think about how he's taken technology, which is a tremendous tool, which we all use to God's glory, but how the evil one can use it to distract the human being more now than ever before in the history of mankind. How many human beings in first world countries today, I can't speak of emerging countries and third world countries, but in first world countries, almost 24-7 are completely plugged in. I had the opportunity to host three people, all of them in high-tech jobs, in a fishing trip that we sold at the gala auction. And I took them to a place intentionally where there was absolutely no cell coverage. <laughs> and I watched them take their smartphones, which they were using the whole way up, diligently doing their work, turn them off, set them aside for two and a half days. And then when we got done, turned them on, and they were bombarded. I heard beep, 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 the whole way home. I turned to the guy sitting next to me, he said, 123 emails in two days. I go, well, how many of them are fluff? He goes, none of them. And I said, oh, you poor, poor man. But then I got a text. I got a text a day and a half later, and it was a group text that said, thank you for the fellowship, thank you for the fishing, but most of all, Thank you for the disconnectedness that allowed me to have such quality interaction with you and with myself. How profound is that? Thank you for the food, the fun, the fellowship, the big fish, but most of all, for being disconnected, even for two days, so that I could have quality time with friends, and quality time with myself. That's powerful. Saint Isikios, who is the most quoted father in all of the five-volume Philokalia, says this about watchfulness. He says, Watchfulness will completely free us from God, with God's help from all impassioned thoughts words, and evil actions. Watchfulness will enable us to fulfill every divine commandment of God and bestow upon us every blessing of the age to come. It is, in the true sense, purity at heart, a state blessed by God when He says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. 
In other words, in short, watchfulness enables us to see God in us. Enables us to see God in our neighbor. Enables us to see God in the things that He has created because His signature is upon them. Finally, he says, watchfulness is the heart's stillness and it is the guarding of the eye of the heart and therefore the guarding of the kingdom within us. There's two beautiful quotes. Actually, I could just read this book to you. Our thoughts determine our lives. But that would take a while. It would be enjoyable, but it would take a while. But there's two quotes in here that I want you to listen carefully. The spiritual life is the life of the noose. And the thoughts. It's a battle between the heart and the thoughts. Therefore we must pay close attention to any thoughts we breathe. And pray to the Lord day and night. To deliver us from all evil. To cleanse us. And to give us strength to say no to the suggestions of the evil spirits. When we accept a suggestion, we also agree with it. And then the battle begins. We refuse one thing, then they come up with another suggestion, and then another and another. And we are left without any peace. In this case, we must turn with our hearts and minds to the Lord and say, O Lord, I have no strength. I did not learn from my youth. I have grown old doing evil, and the wickedness in me has grown old. A lot of strength is needed for me to root this thought out. But you, O Lord, are mighty and powerful. Teach me to be innocent, simple, Meek and humble. Give me the gift of your divine properties with which you have endowed your angels and your saints. And then the next quote continues. Let us fall down before the Lord with an innocent heart, using our own words in addition to the prayer rule that we all adhere to and which we very much need. For if we have no prayer rule, then the evil one will give us a rule of his own. All kinds of thoughts. That's why we need prayer, no matter how short the prayer is. As soon as we are out of bed, let us give thanks to God for having allowed us to live through the night. When evening comes, let us give thanks for everything, for the Lord is the giver of life and the giver of all things. This is how we show our love toward Him. And because of this love, He will draw us into His embrace. There are two metaphors that the newly canonized St. Paisios of the Holy Mountain likes to use when when he's teaching about watchfulness. The first metaphor is he compares each of us to air traffic controllers. And our mind is the runway. 
And thoughts are the airplane seeking permission to land, not only in our mind, but to even go deeper into the hangar of our hearts. And we need to see that thought as an airplane from afar, and with the sermon, determine whether it is from God, or whether it is in passion, and a provocation of the evil one. And we as air traffic controllers need to say, no, you cannot land. You do not have permission to come into this airport. Be gone and cut the thought off. The other metaphor that he uses that I like is he says, thoughts are like birds that fly overhead. That happens to us all day long when we're outside. Birds are always flying overhead. He says, but you would never ever let one of those birds make a nest in your hair, would you? So why do you let thoughts that are from the evil one and his demons not only enter your mind, but have a place in your heart. You see, the fathers of the church, they make a very, very close connection to evil thoughts, thoughts that are provoking passions to the evil one himself and to his demons. As a matter of fact, oftentimes they name the thoughts after the demons of the vices. And that's because when we allow that thought into our mind and it enters into our heart and it wounds our soul, it is the wounding of the evil one and his demons. We are allowing their influence into our inner world. And this isn't right. It's dangerous. It's not meant to be that way. This is why... All of the great saints say that watchfulness is even more important than asceticism, than fasting, and other spiritual labors. Prayer of the heart, says Elder Thaddeus, is the greatest labor that one can offer to God. And how can one, in the words of the Apostle Paul, pray unceasingly? Rejoice always. Give thanks to God in every circumstance if they are not attentive, if they are not present, if they are not mindful. They cannot pray. Prayer of the heart is the greatest labor one can offer to God. And this is because the fallen spirits know that through prayer, a man's heart draws closest to God. This is why the fallen spirits are always trying to distract us and to make us become attached to anything of this world. He further goes on to say that without attentiveness, prayer isn't worthwhile. He said, should you not pray? No, you should still pray. But to make it worthwhile, couple it with watchfulness. I wanted to close with another quote from Elder Thaddeus. I told you I could have read you the whole book. But before I close with this quote, I want to make sure you understand the answer to this question. Why do the fathers of the church, going all the way back to the apostles themselves, going all the way back to the Master Himself, Christ, put such an importance and premium on watchfulness? And the answer simply is that without watchfulness, we cannot pray. 
And without prayer, we cannot be united to God. And with that spirit in mind, listen to what Elder Thaddeus says. Besides labor-filled prayer, which we all are familiar with, prayer is hard work. But sometimes prayer doesn't allow us to pierce through. It doesn't allow us to taste and see really how good the Lord is. We need grace-filled prayer in order to pierce through. So the elder Thaddeus says, Besides labor-filled prayer, there is also grace-filled prayer. Seeing our efforts, our desire to become one with God, discarding all worldly desires, God releases us gradually from the cares of this world and from attachment to worldly things, and He brings the soul into a state of humility and simplicity. The soul no longer takes insults to heart, and it becomes peaceful, accepting everything with humility. The soul gradually becomes cleansed and therefore ready to accept the divine flame in order to have unceasing prayer in its heart through the Holy Spirit. In order to receive the divine flame to have unceasing prayer come into the heart through the gift of the Holy Spirit. So my dear brothers and sisters, Watchfulness is what allows us to interact with God, for God to meet us and for us to meet Him. Without being present, God cannot and will not be able to contact us. Either we will be in the past, or we will be in the future, or we will be daydreaming about things that are not real, or we'll be attached to things of the earth, whether inanimate, animate, or even persons. But without being present and without being filled with the love of God, we will not be able to properly love these things and interact with them. And therefore, we will not be able to experience communion with God like the elder here shares with us. So let us, in this spiritual warfare that is unseen, but real, all around us, like it was in the Corinthian community. Let us be watchful. Amen.